Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Sync. Welcome back, everyone, to a special rebroadcast episode of The Unqualified Therapist. We know that this time of year can be overwhelming, and so we wanted to give you another listen at one of our favorites when it comes to organization and planning, and that's Miss Megan Sumrall, the queen of planning. We hope that you all had a very happy holiday and going into the new year that this rebroadcast will help you get going with your planning before you turn it off, it's different than most topical th- discussions on planning. Yes, so please give it a listen. Megan is unique in the way that she goes about it. And also, she's just really fun to talk to and listen to. So we hope you enjoy this. Well, we are so excited because we just got done interviewing an amazing woman who is going to touch on something that. All 15, I think almost all 15 of our research interviewees told us about their life, which was that um, at the end of the day, when you get into bed, what is something that you're thinking about or keeps you up at night? And it's all the shit you didn't get done. Mm -hmm. All the things you were supposed to do that you didn't do and the things that need to now be turned into tomorrow things. And guys, we all have that tape, that ticker tape that runs in our head. And that is that's exhausting. It is. And so when we had the chance to talk to Megan, who's our guest that you're going to get to hear from today, I was so excited because we had literally just wrapped these interviews with all of these women. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what we need. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, and us too, because Amy and I are chronic journal and um, planner buyers. So we have multiple notebooks and planners. Do do we see a trend? We like to buy shit. Okay. Books. Books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I just had literally just purchased one and, um, I was so excited about it and I actually am okay. I'm still really excited about it because it fits all of the criteria that Megan gives us in what she deems a, yes, a good 
planner to have. So you're going to get that detail, which is always great because it's like, which one do I buy? I don't know which one to buy. And that's why I've had so many because I've tried all of the different kinds. All of them. I know. And as she was speaking in the beginning, I wrote down, this is how all the women we interviewed felt. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's definitely including Sarah and I. So I really think that this one is going to um, be so valuable for everyone. I picked up so many amazing tips just from this uh, without having to go even further, which we're going to give you. She gave us free videos. She gave us free resources that all this stuff we're going to share with you for free that you can um, work with her. But one of the things when you're extremely overwhelmed, you get to use my favorite (laughs) office supply on the planet that I have in abundance I hide them because it's embarrassing. (laughs) I love post-it notes so much. (laughs) They bring me such joy. The way that stickers bring you joy. Okay. Okay. I get it. That is how I feel about a post-it note. Yeah. So when she explained how to get out of overwhelm with post-it notes and the way that she explains what to do with them, I was like, girl, I was born for this. Like I was, I've been like prepping for this. You know, those people that like prep for the end of the world. Like I've been prepping. <laughs> You've got end of the world supply of post-it, post-it notes. notes. <laughs> and I just like, and I already envisioned my black Sharpie and I'm like, I've got a big box of those. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to town. Amy's like, this is my time to shine. This is it. This is my time. So I can't wait to put into practice the post-it note way of getting out of this overwhelm fight or flight which you know happens to a lot of us yes and before those of you with anxiety adhd depression um switch this off please don't because i know that i'm i have all yeah, this three is of not those. one of those annoying yeah things like <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah yeah get it done um she is not a suck it up buttercup type nope. of gal and she's going to make sure that she really does speak to those of us that do um, live with anxiety, ADHD, and depression. Um, she takes these things very seriously. And so we are so appreciative of her for that. So ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be listening to Megan Sumrall. She is empowering women to achieve a work-life harmony through time management and productivity. She is a self-proclaimed time management guru for women. And you can find all links to her in the show notes. So if you just click on more where you are listening to this episode, you will see her link tree link where you can find her podcast that she has, which she has 10 minute episodes for those of us who can't focus. Love it. <laughs> like one takeaway, yes. listen and go. It's not like how we like to go on and on and on, but that's just our jam. That's who we are. Yes. You've um, got to have a variety. Her Instagram that gives us uh, you know tips on a daily basis. And um, she also has a boot camp coming up. So you're going to want to stay tuned to find out more about that. But um, Hint, it's free. Yeah. I think even after I do all of this, there's a very good chance I'm going to hire her for her services. Oh, for sure. Yeah. To get my shit together. (laughs) Well, I mean, what I liked and what she'll tell you is that she's going to give you a system no matter how your life changes. Mm -hmm. It changes with you. Yes. So it's not just like for now. Mm This will work no matter what your life looks like. In all chapters of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So here we go. Enjoy. My name is Megan. I live in uh, North Carolina, right outside of downtown Raleigh. 
Uh, I am a self-proclaimed time management expert for overwhelmed women. And I say self-proclaimed with a little bit of jest, because I mean, who really comes and labels? Like, it's not like there's a certification for it, right? <laughs> uh, but given the thousands of women that have been through various programs that I hold and hearing their success stories and watching their transformations from just being strung out, overwhelmed, you know, burnout mode into like living a life that provides them immense joy and satisfaction is, is what it's all about for me. That sounds super fulfilling. And you're about to do that for us and everybody listening. You are. Before we get to that good stuff, can you tell me how, or tell us like how you got I don't know. How did you land here? This is not something that I think that I would ever find myself in. Because no, and it's not one of those things in kindergarten where the teacher's like, Megan, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wasn't like, I want to help women manage your time. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to be an astronaut. So very different. Amazing. Nice. <laughs> uh, so I, I ended up in the tech, the very corporate tech world for a long time out of college. Uh, I was a math major. I geek out on numbers, systems, like logic, all that is my happy place. And I had gotten married later in life. So started a family later in life. And by the time, you know, I got married, I, I'd been implementing systems and processes. I had taken every productivity organizational program out there. Um, I very naively would see women in the store with young children looking frazzled and, you know, kids crying and stupidly say to myself, like, well, that would never be me. Well, haven't we all done that? Yes. (laughs) Guilty. Mm, I'm glad that's not recorded. So um, (laughs) it is now, babe. Yeah. uh, Fast forward to then finally, you know, starting a family of my own and juggling um, a corporate job and a daughter who was very high on the sensory processing, integration challenges um, on the spectrum in terms of all things, anxiety, sensory, et cetera, uh, and just life itself, <laughs> found myself looking just like those women I used to see in the stores. I had this very pivotal day when I was at the park with her, she was maybe two and a half or so, and uh, the woman next to me were pushing them on the swings and she asked, what do you do for fun? Just chatting it up here in the South. And I was like, I I got nothing, literally no way to respond to a simple question of what do you do for fun? And it kind of rocked me to my core because I didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't know how to have fun anymore or what I even do for fun. Um, But I'm so glad she asked me that question because it set me on the trajectory, which put me where I am now. And I can remember that night coming home and hiding in my closet because where else do you go to, you know, be alone sometimes and was crying and feeling like an utter failure, uh, in a number of ways. One, just for myself, like how the heck did this happen? But then also this tremendous sense of guilt because I finally had what I kept saying I always wanted, you know, the the Mm. family, a good job, like all these things I should in quotes, be happy. Right. And yet I was running mild, low grade depression, like on the regular. And now at least I knew why, like I haven't had fun in forever. I am literally on this wake up 
try and race against the task list all day long that's never going to get done, collapse into bed at night feeling like a failure for not getting it done. Uh, so the irony of it is, like, this is what I did for a living. I would go into software organizations <laughs> and tell them how to optimize their systems better, faster, cheaper, all of that. So I'm like, Megan, take yourself on as a client. Uh, so I did. I just kind of took myself on as a project and threw away all the time management tools I've been using which I'd love to share with you later on why I think they didn't work anymore. Uh, and went about creating a, a completely new way of organizing my time, my calendar, all the information overload and friends and family started noticing, like, you look different. You know, you seem happier. I felt different. And I started getting asked to speak at some local working women networking groups and sharing some of this. Uh, and I, I remember giving one talk in particular and a couple women came up afterwards and like, can we hire you to come? Like, can I hire you to spend time with me in my calendar? And that was what launched me on this trajectory and ended up just a year later leaving corporate for good. And now I'm on a mission to provide work-life harmony for as many women as I can. Wow. I have chills. Like I have goosebumps. <laughs> that just makes me feel so good because it's like... Anytime there's a story of getting to leave corporate America, first always, of all. it's always a big one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like such because it's not a it's it's a it's a privilege and it's not something yeah. that you know everybody can um, take on. It's something I encourage you to do if you if you can if it's possible yeah. for you if it's within your your means. Yeah, and I I had wanted to, but just hadn't found the right vehicle to make that happen. You know, so they saw the systems that you had implemented in your own life and wanted to learn how to use them in theirs. And those gals asked like, hey, can I hire you? Because I remember thinking like, can I deconstruct this in a way to teach it to others? And then yeah. secondly, um, you know, I said, hey, I can't guarantee that this will work for you yet. You know, I want to make sure. So kind of like, let's use this as a learning opportunity together. And so by working one-on-one -on -one with a number of different women for a while, it, it's what helped me learn how do I deconstruct this? How do I make this uh, laid out in such a way that one, it's easy to learn, but two, it really does work for all the different inputs that are out there because yeah. what I'm juggling is not what you're juggling. It's not what anyone else is juggling. And so I like to think of my whole approach to time management, kind of like just like a big machine, if you will, where everybody's inputs are completely unique, which is what's all the crap you're juggling in your life, both physical and information. But it, it's the machine that I've created that everybody can run it through. Those are the systems and processes. And then what it spits out in terms of a plan that actually works for you is also very unique to you because your inputs are different. So it's really understanding. It's not about changing what you do. It's not about telling you to throw away all the stuff you like or quit everything, all the committees and all of that, although you probably should do some of that too. Um, <laughs> but it's more about, Hey, let's teach you how this machine works so that when your inputs change, cause three years from now, nothing's going to look the same, right? You still have the yeah. same system that you can, that you can come back and pull from. I love the thought of a sustainable process. So that's great. So for those of us living with anxiety, ADHD, and depression, do you have tips for us as well when we get to a place of overwhelm? Yeah. 
<laughs> the memes <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to put all the 8,000 disclaimers. You know, I am not a trained yes. mental health therapist or any of that, but I work with a lot of women that um, have, you know, very openly told me that they battle anxiety. Um, they battle various forms of ADHD. Um, I think a lot of women in today's world are, are battling depression in some way, shape or form. And so it's been really, it's life-changing for me to see when I can share things that I see working with them. And it's interesting. I, I cleared my calendar a good hour before coming on to talk with you guys today. I speak on a lot of podcasts, but knowing that we were going to be talking specifically around time management and as it relates to our mental health, it's so serious. I don't want to gloss over like this. Oh, Hey, here's just a quick system. And I really wanted to put a lot of thought into, into coming here today and talking about it. Cause I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm trivializing what it feels like when we get in that place. Uh, and the way I look at, you know, is what you were talking about, Sarah, with that, just, you get paralyzed. I like to think of being in that state of just completely overwhelmed. There's, there's one of two flavors of it. There is what I call being tapped out, which for me means I literally can't function. Like I, I can't even talk to you about why I'm overwhelmed. I really can't do anything. And in that state, I think understanding and recognizing for yourself, and it's different for everybody, what that looks like and to say you need to honor that and not try and go get into action like i know yeah. when i get into that place there is no amount of like suck it up buttercup or whatever that is going to be remotely useful right yeah. that's when i know i just may need to go watch some netflix for a while or take a bath and do nothing or you know, whatever it is it's going to help get me in a better yeah. mental place um on the other side, when I talk about overwhelm, I'm not talking about that place. I am talking about where you are, the information in your head or coming at you is so fast and so furious that you all, you feel like this ticker tape is running and you can't like yeah. pause it to just say, Hank, like, oh my God, I don't know where to start. Um, a place that, you know, hits me every time is whenever we're coming back, like from a family vacation where I've just gone and relaxed for a week. And then the closer we get to home, like the bitchier and bitchier I get because all the things are happening. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. I got the laundry, I do the I got the food in the house. And then what about the work? And then the email and then the dog. And then you just like, you get home, you're like, I don't know what to do. So that's the one I want to talk about today because there is a strategy I pull from it. I use it every time I come back from a vacation <laughs> or just any time where I get in that place where it feels like there's too much and there's no way I'm going to get it done. So the very first thing that you have to do is to quiet your brain. And the reason we have to do that is when you are in that place, you're really tapping into that fight or flight response mode that we have. Um, and when we're in that mode, we, when we're looking at all the things we have to get done, 
we either say there's no way, you know, it's too much, I don't know where to start, or we do what my husband always does, which is every little task that might truly take one minute, they're like, well, that's gonna be five hours. You know, it's start, like, <laughs> um, completely unrealistic expectations on, well, see, it'll never get done. We gotta move along. Well, there goes Saturday. And I'm like, well, no, there goes 30 minutes of Saturday. Like I've timed you, it's, it's really not that bad. Um, but because it's churning up here, our brain yeah. is in that fight or flight, right? So we just, we get completely irrational with, with trying to prioritize or do anything. So I love to use post-it notes for this, um, because of the steps I'm going to walk you through. So I will grab a stack of post-it notes and I will rapid fire, just write down one thing per post-it note of everything that's swirling in my head from there's no food in the house to there's laundry to there's, we've got to mow the lawn. And I mean, and this is what's crazy. Stupid stuff starts coming out. It might be July and outcomes. I got to think about Christmas cards. I'm like, why the hell am I worried stressing about Christmas right. cards in July? But we get on that snowball effect, right? Well, if I don't do this today, then that means that no one's getting Christmas cards nine months from now kind of a thing. So you just rapid fire, don't overanalyze it, put everything out and just dump all of the churn from your brain out onto a visual place you can see it. And I'll, the reason why I like post-it notes is because of the next two steps. Now, once you've gone through this, it shouldn't take more than 15 minutes. You will already feel lighter because you have released that capacity of everything that your brain is trying to process and you've gotten it out onto paper and you can visualize it. So yeah. there was this amazing book that I read all around the brain science of productivity. And they shared that two of the most energy taxing things we can ask our brain to do is one is to hang on to information and then two, to try and prioritize things in our head, as opposed to things that we're not looking at. It's like, if I, if I told you, Hey, here's five things, tell me what's the most important, but it wasn't visually on paper. It's going to tax your brain a million times more than if you looked at a piece of paper with the five things and had to pick out the first. So this is why when we're in that fight or flight, we can't make good choices because our brain, we're just, it's like, we've got the gas pedal all the way down to the floor and it's like, ah, so once I've gotten it all out, the next thing that I do is to go through there and I'll ask myself realistically one by one, which one of these honestly has to get done in the next 48 hours. And you're only thinking about 48 hours so that when you run across the post-it note about the stressing out about Christmas cards, you're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to worry about this for 48 hours. But even some things as simple as the lawn doesn't have to get mowed, like we're good. Or, you know, you're panicking about laundry and you're like, I literally just did it two days ago. Everyone's got clean underwear that can wait 48 hours. And so you're just, as you're going through each one, you're honestly assessing is this a have to in the next 48 hours? And then you can pull those post-it notes off of the big group and now go look at your calendar, wherever you physically keep track of appointments and all of that, whether it's a paper planner or digital. And I will go through those post-it notes one by one and say, when, like specifically, am I going to tackle this one? So if it's a, there's no food in the house and you know, it's nine o'clock at night, we just got back. I might look at that and say, you know what? 
I'm going to hit the grocery store on the way back from school, drop off tomorrow morning and get just enough food for the house for the next couple of days. So now I'm not worried about that. Now I have a plan to tackle that. And usually when I go through that list, there's rarely more than six or seven that ever truly pop up on the next 48 hours. So now that you've got them in your calendar, you're not going to go back to that big list yet. You're just going to look at your next 48 hours and take it hour by hour. Say, okay, was there anything I'm supposed to do right now? Great, here's what I'm doing. And then as every single one of those starts to get tackled, you start building up that confidence of, yeah, okay, I do have this. Okay, I do have a plan. You start getting those small wins that now your brain starts feeling a heck of a lot better and you're kind of getting out of that, I can't, into, well, look at me, I'm doing some stuff. Uh, and then after the 48 hours is done, now I go back to all those post-it notes that are, I usually put them on the wall in my dining room, uh, and I will scan through those and just say, okay, now what's left here, what needs to get done just before the end of this week? And I'll go through the same process and pull the next set off, and then just get myself through the end of the week. By the time I've gotten through the end of the week, usually things are back in motion. You may still have some stress and anxiety over some larger things, but you you're, take a look back and I, I'll keep those post-it notes to say, look at everything I just did. Mm -hmm. So now I've rewarded myself, I'm feeling a lot better about it, and now I can set forward into one of the systems I teach, which is the weekly planning process. But when you're so overwhelmed, like you can't be planning a whole week. It's way too much. And so again, just getting it, out of your head where you can see it, grabbing those just 48 hour half twos, then moving into that next little window of maybe three to four days. And then now you're ready to come back. And now you can look and laugh at the stuff that was on there that came out that you're like, <laughs> yes. why was I even stressed out about that? Like, I'll worry about that a month from now. But I would have had a post note that said baseboards, clean them, baseboards, baseboards. Clean them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I swear. I mean, yeah, the things we start stressing about. I mean, when it I'm, runs and because it's like one thing will trigger another one and then another one. And yeah, then my another friend one. used to call it getting on the train. She's like, Megan, get off the train. Because I'm like, well, if I don't go to, you know, if we don't get this done today, then this means that won't happen and that won't happen. And 15 years from now, we're going to be homeless. You know, I'm just like, okay, you're not <laughs> going to be homeless because you didn't do the laundry tomorrow morning. Or, yep. You know, but in that moment, we, we can laugh at it now because we're not in that place. But if you've been there in that moment, you know, it feels real. Like it, it does. And it's, it's crippling. And so it's nice that we can look at it and laugh when we're not in it. But in the moment, we need to give ourselves some grace to understand it's because we're in fight or flight. And so we're going to be super irrational. Um, and when you've gone through this process a few times, now when I'm in it and I am being irrational, that little voice is back there going, okay, Megan, we've been here before. Like we know what to do. So at least I have like my little cheerleader reminding me, we know what to do here. Let's, let's get out the sticky notes. Let's figure this out. It's all going to be okay. But I'm still, still thinking irrational things. I mean, I'm human. So yes, absolutely. It's excellent that you are able to 
help us remember that too, because it's, and I do laugh now. I laugh because it's something so familiar to me, um, that I have been there so many times of just this complete, I I call it usually the spiral. I'm like, I've gone down the spiral and I'm in the pits of despair, like from princess bride and (laughs) that's where I'm stuck. Yes. And so, um, I'm hoping that some of these tips are going to help take me out of the pit of despair. And I would even like make sure when you're in a good place that you have a stack of post-it notes somewhere in your house that you know where it is so that you can have it there in the moment. Mm -hmm. And if you journal regularly, or if you have a planner that you use, if there's any physical thing that you look at on the regular put a note in there somewhere, just reminding you, you know, the, ditch the overwhelm or whatever you want to call it, brain dump process, put reminders for yourself that this is a tool you have available to you um, until it becomes one that you've, you've used enough that it becomes a little bit more automatic to jump in and, and get there instead of letting yourself go down the spiral for hours without, you know, stepping in and starting to help yourself. I mean, I always let myself go there for a little while. Cause I mean, we just, you just do, but I don't, yeah. I'm not getting sucked into it for days on end, which is what used to happen after, you know, a really large event of some sort. So that's in the overwhelm time, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not like how you suggest we do every day. Correct. So yeah, okay. cause that- <laughs> I am so glad you mentioned that. Yes, because it is a very reactive process. What I just described, you are feeling overwhelmed. We've got to get out of this state of paralysis. We've got to get to where we're making rational choices. Again, we are reacting to a current state of mind that we're in. But if we stay in this habitual process of just thinking about the next 48 hours or just thinking about the next few days, um, it's a very reactive way of living because you're going to respond to whatever's feeling most urgent or, you know, kind of the squeaky wheel syndrome. And that's what leads us to work on things that really weren't a good use of our time. Um, it's what forces us into multitasking way too often. And it's also what leads us or prevents us from making progress on those bigger projects and goals. Because if I'm in a state of reaction and I'm looking at just today or tomorrow, that whole, I've got to go declutter that guest room. We're trying to get already. I'm going to be like, well, I can't do that today. I don't have time today because I can't ever think longer term. So this is where the, the kind of foundation of everything I teach from a system that we use on the regular is this weekly planning system. So I like to do mine on Sundays. There's no wrong day to do it, uh, but I am mapping out the entire next seven days of what my week is going to look like. Now it's not, I'm not accounting for every 15 minutes of being in productivity mode because that's not sustainable. I tried that, tried that for a real long time. Um, But what it is doing is it's giving you a clear view realistically how much time do you have available to work with this week? And then Mm -hmm. some of the tools that I teach in that are, then you're pulling in your list of here are the things when I was in a rational place that I said were important, my priorities. Now, how am I mapping those into my week? So that on Monday, 
if the back of my mind is reminding me of this huge thing on Thursday, I can say that I'm good. I can already see I've got a plan in place to get that done. So I feel like I'm always, I'm looking at my, my plan for the week all the time as a way to quiet that creeping up of, of stress and anxiety that happens as I start to feel like maybe I'm getting out of control with the list of stuff, or is that going to get done in time? When we create this weekly plan, we then shift out of that state of being reactive and we move into a place of being very proactive with the choices that we make with our time. That's great because when you were talking, what I was thinking was, and I try really hard not to go to this place, but sometimes I do where I'm like, nothing really needs done in the next 48 hours. <laughs> like my kids need to like, need to like get on the bus and get fed and get to their stuff. But other than that, like my stuff is like, well, in this particular chapter of my life, it's big, you know, projects or big yeah. things that I'm like, another day. And that's just all that does is stress me out then later. So I, yeah, I like the idea of like, then you look at the amount of space that you have left and you say, okay, I, this chunk of time I can tackle part of that project. Yeah. Yeah. And that's people will always, they're surprised to hear. I tend to work about four and a half hours a day, Monday through Friday. That's, that's it. That's what I get. Cause I, you know, go into full mom mode after that. Um, sometimes I'll work a little on the weekend, but it's usually by choice. Cause it's a project I really am excited about, but what I am able to produce people assume I'm, you know, they're like, you must never sleep. I'm like, no, <laughs> actually I get a solid eight to nine a night. Um, but it's because of how I plan and the boundaries I put on my time. Mm. And because I have so little of it to work with, with in terms of the business that I'm running, that's what makes me, I'm super intentional about it. So that if I, if there's a big project I'm working on, I'm never going to have a full day to sit down and work on it. But I know I'm going to spend an hour and a half on Tuesday and another hour on Thursday. And then I can map out and say, you know what, in four weeks, I'm going to get this baby done. Whereas if it was every day, wake up, okay, what do I got to get done today? Those four weeks would go by and I never would have gotten one thing done on that larger project. But if you are are operating from a wake up brain dump task list. And then your goal for the day is to check as many of those off as you possibly can before you collapse into bed at night, you are going to stay in that rinse and repeat. And I mean, you guys are both making funny faces, but this is what 99% that's where we are. <laughs> because that's, <laughs> that's where what we, we stay. <laughs> but but see, and do. I'm going to tell you why this kind of ties back to why the older time management systems and what I see people teaching now, why it's failing so many women. Um, even some of the, the top names in the space, they, they teach the wake up and write down your top three priorities, right? And yes, those are your yes. Hell no, that doesn't work because if I wake up in the morning and I say, what are my top three priorities? Whether you realize it now where it does work is in corporate America. I am walking okay. into the office. I am sitting here for eight to nine hours of my life. I'm putting on my job hat and no, no other roles are, I'm not going to have to, you know, go wipe a kid's butt or clean up the dog vomit or get, you know, it works great in that. And now I'm here 
for nine hours. But when you are what I call context switching, where I'm like, the school is calling, I've got to do the dog and I work from Mm -hmm. home. So then the mailman's coming by and I'm also juggling the laundry. I mean, you know, the CEO of home, um, if I were to ask myself every day, like what's the top three priorities, all I'd come up with is be like, well, I hope I keep everybody alive. That's like, right. (laughs) And then it's kind of like, well, I really wanted to work on that thing, but I can't get that done today. So I'm not going to put that on my list because I can't get it done. And so we, we fail to move forward on this bigger projects because we're in this blinder view of today. And then like what you said, well, nothing's that important. Like just feed and clothe people. And, and then we start to feel like our goals and dreams and desires, like we start to chip away at their importance. We're like, well, I guess it's not that yep. important. It is that important, but you don't have a framework to help you plug that in to the realities of everything you've got going on in life. Imagine if you could just walk into an office and like forget about the 72,000 other people that need you in your life and shut the door and be like, I'm just going to be productive for these eight hours on these three things. It's a sci-fi TV show called Severance. Oh, (laughs) nice. Nice. I still need to watch that. I can't imagine. I mean, people say, leave it at the door. I'm like, you know what? When I am at work, when I am working, like I've got one who's like crying because she missed the bus or I got one who's like calling here or this and that. I mean, there, it is impossible to not have all the hats. And that's what you were telling us in like our pre-interview and man, it hit me and it stayed with me. You said, don't take time management advice from men. And you're right. Not to like gender stereotype, but that part of the world is not my world that I, I always wear all the hats. Yeah. And I mean, that's why the time management training I'd gotten from men served me very well as a single corporate yeah. woman, because I, I wasn't juggling all the hats. So does it work? Yes, but it doesn't translate well into what the bulk of what women are juggling in their life right now. I mean, we laugh cause I, you know, I work from home. I've, I've had a home office, actually I had a home office when I was in corporate as well. Cause the company I worked for was out of state and my husband switched over to a home office pre-pandemic about six months prior to that. So he's two floors up from me and I'm here yet he does get to walk up and shut his door and it's work for, you know, but it's just different. And I mean, that's, you know, this choices we've made, it's all of that, but you know, I'm always like, our work just isn't quite the same because my, my phone is the phone that rings when something, you know, needs to happen. Wearing all the hats can put us in that place of overwhelm. So these tips are super helpful. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about what to do on the ideal occasion when we're not in that space of overwhelm? So let's talk through, um, I'll give you a little bit of insights into what that weekly planning process looks like. And I actually have some free um, videos on this as well that I can share with you guys and where you can go like watch it to see it in action because seeing it is so much better than just hearing about it, right? Um, So I actually go through a 10-step weekly planning process. I know that sounds like a lot, but I do it in about 10 minutes. So, um, but that's more advanced. People work their way up to that. But I will share a five-step quick process on how to create your weekly plan. Um, Step one is the one most of you probably already have in place, which is 
what are you currently obligated to like at a set date and a set time, like us recording this podcast, that was on my calendar, set date, time, doctor's appointments, all of that. And most people either have it on their, you know, Google calendar, their paper planner, where, wherever you are. So that's usually kind of done for you by default. If it's not, we need to check. So I got to get you hooked up with at least starting there. Um, the second part is really unique to what I teach and it ties back to understanding how much time do we really have? So the next thing that I do on my weekly plan is I actually accommodate and acknowledge what I call my unavailable time. That's all that time throughout the days and weeks where you are super busy being busy but nothing of importance or on your list is getting done. So for example, from six to 8.30 every morning, I am very busy. I am getting my child up, I'm cooking breakfast, I'm packing lunches, I'm driving to school, I'm exercising, I'm walking the dog. Like that is two and a half hours of my life where I am in motion, but nothing of, you know, quote, importance. I'm not making progress on anything, right? but I'm in motion. And so nobody that, that I've met yet really coaches people on plugging in visually in a way that works for you. And you guys can see how I do it in those videos, um, acknowledging you're not getting anything done on your list during these pockets of time because you're busy being busy. Um, so again, for me, I leave at one to go pick, we have really early school let out, uh, to go to the carpool line from hell, and so, oh my um, gosh, Sarah and I know, that, know world. that world. <laughs> it's like two hours of your life. It's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm packing a lunch. I'm packing food. I got three books. <laughs> I bring my book. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. um, so from that, like 1.30, basically until 6.00 is what I call unavailable time. I'm doing carpool, yeah. we're running an errand, we're going to our activity, I'm cooking dinner. Sweet Jesus, the homework, like that's always fun. Um, <laughs> but for me, if, if that weren't on captured on my calendar, I would be looking at my at my week being like, dude, I'm solving world hunger this week. Look at all this time I have, right? <laughs> Um, but when you plug in the realities of what I call unavailable time, now all of a sudden I'm like, there's not a lot to work with. So I've got my commitments. I've got my unavailable time. Now, the next thing that I plug in there, ladies, is so important is I make sure I carve out time for myself before I jam in everyone else's needs. I'm like, okay, when during this week? Am I going to have something for me that fuels me, that makes me feel good, whether it's coffee with a friend or like, and sometimes it's just telling my family, Hey, I'm going y'all, you do you after dinner. I'm going to go binge watch some Netflix up in my bedroom and I'm going to call it a win and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. So I always make sure I've got something in there for me, you know, scattered throughout the week. And then once I have those in place, now we've actually got to put the stuff in our calendar of like, okay, what are we doing this week? Like, so I've got what the time I have, what am I going to do? So the fourth step is plugging in and I teach people how to create these, the weekly checklist. We all have things that we have to, that we've decided we need to do on the regular, whether it's work 
or personal. So my weekly checklist is a mix of stuff around the house for the family, meal planning, um, silly things. Like I got to clean the dog's ears every week or else she gets an ear infection. So things I'm not going to remember also along with work, I've got to write my newsletter. I've got to send out my emails every week. I need to check in with customer, you know, all that stuff. So that I then map into specific times on my calendar. I don't make a task list. I make appointments. So I will see, hey, Monday morning from 9 to 10.30 is open. This is when I'm going to tackle. I'm going to make an appointment to knock out my weekly checklist. So then once I've done my checklist, the next thing that goes in there is all those big projects. So now I'm now I can say, hey, look, I keep looking over the side because my planner's there. Um, so I can look and say, all right, look at that. It looks like I've got maybe about five hours to play with this week. What is the next biggest thing on my backlog? And I teach people how to create this backlog of stuff and say, what's the next big thing I wanted to make progress on? Ooh, well, look, like I've got that. these five hours. I'm now I know how I'm going to spend them this week. And so now when my week starts out, I've got a plan. Now I also teach people to make sure you're not over scheduling because you know, you're going to get that phone call and you know that that nine to 1030 checklist time is going to get hijacked. So I, I do provide strategies to make sure you're not over, you know, committing yourself and you have ways to kind of move and shift things around. But when I have time I, and I'm sitting down to work, I'm not spending the first 20 minutes trying to decide what to work on. I did that in my weekly plan so that when I'm sitting down and it's now 10 o'clock or whatever time I'm looking at my plan and saying, Oh, here's how I said I was going to spend this next hour. Awesome. And because I'm seeing the whole week laid out, it also helps keep me accountable. Cause if it's something I don't love doing, I'll see visually Megan, if you don't do it now, look at the rest of your week. When's it going to get done? Like, let's just get it over with. So I like, I go through this little mental, like pep talk for myself, but I can do that because I'm not saying, Oh yeah, I'll do that this afternoon. No, you won't look your calendar shows this afternoon. Someone's going to have a meltdown. There's going to be a really bad homework assignment and everyone's going to complain about what you're making for dinner. So that's, <laughs> that's out. So let's not pretend yes. that you're going to do it then. I'm like blown away. And I think one thing I have to make sure to remind myself, and I'm sure other people are going to as well, is to not do these out of order because I'm going to be like, oh, I'll do the carve out time for myself at the end. Yeah. That's why it's number three. It's intentionally exactly. number three because it's the thing that nobody, it's like, well, I'll take the leftovers, right? Like we're eating the last two bites of waffle on the plate in the morning, like that your kid left, like, oh, mm. there's breakfast. Mm -hmm. No, we, we have to prioritize it and we have to, and then communicate communicate it with the family as well. That's important. Yes. So do you have a visual board somewhere where everybody can see what's going on that week? Yeah. And I don't over cram it. Um, you know, and again, your size, of your family will probably dictate how big it needs to be. I use these super, uh, cool post-it notes. That's just a weekly post-it note. Um, and the only thing I put on there are things that are going to affect multiple members of our family. I, when my family looks at my calendar, they would probably like make them hyperventilate. I'm like, that's not for, that's not for them. That's for me, you know, letting me know what's going on. Um, and if it's a day where God willing, my daughter is truly at school for the day and I have appointments, I'm not putting those on those on there either. Cause it doesn't interrupt anybody else, but you know, things like mom's night off, 
that goes yeah. on there on days where, Hey, we're changing things up. Dad's picking you up from school that goes on there. Kids activities that are impacting multiple members that goes on there as well. Um, so because I don't jam it with everybody's schedule, cause then it's just noisy. Um, yeah. there will be days where there's nothing on there, which just means, Hey, it's a normal day here at our household and everyone knows what's going on. And then I strategically place that sticky note on the side of the fridge. Cause it's right next to the coffee maker so that even though I've been doing this for years now and my husband will still every morning say what's going on today. And I still say it's right there on the post-it note. Um, at least I can say it's right there on the post-it note. Um, and then we review that Sunday night Sorry. dinner. So I bring out the post-it note and the whole family can see like, here's the things we all need to remember for this week. And now it's by the snacks and it's by the coffee. So don't tell me you can't find it because we all go there. I think you might save a lot of families some <laughs> grief here. I mean, so I always tell people, like, they're like, oh, I put up the communication center and everyone still asks me what's going on. I'm like, yeah, they still do in my house too. Like, it's not, I can't, I'm not a miracle worker here, but at least <laughs> I can give you a tool that makes it easier so that I don't have to say, for the love of God, you know, just, it's on the post note. I do keep yeah. the calendar, like I have the family calendar, but I feel like I write it on there only for me to read it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just the thing that you can say. Yeah. It's Look on the, the calendar. calendar. Mm -hmm. Look at the calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure mm -hmm. that we'll all hit that mom moment, you know, because we're all very into gentle parenting right now where we scream. It's on the calendar! <laughs> How many times do I have to were you in the house this morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, uh, yeah the struggle is real but it's like it almost i think is becoming a joke now that they'll ask about it but i will yeah. tell you on that calendar maybe it's not i don't know i will ask women to show me like hey show me your communication center and what breaks my heart is I'll see women do these beautiful calendars. You know, every family member's got their own color. And my first question that I ask is, what color is yours? And usually the response is like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I see you've, I see you're running the whole fam. I see you've got every kid. I see you've got your spouse. I see you, you know, all that. I don't see anything on here for you. I said, what you are subtly telling your family is that your needs and your plans are not as important mm -hmm. as theirs because it's not on the calendar. Yeah. So you've got to have your own color and your things need to be represented on that calendar as equally as everybody else's is. I think a lot of us have the digital Google calendar and a paper planner. Yes, and I do and, as well. It's like, okay, okay. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, but they, I only one is what I teach people to be your command center. So there has to be the one that has everything. And if like, I need to have both, so I'll, I'll, I'll back up. So I use a paper planner. I used to be fully electronic. And when I'm coaching people to figure out what they need, my question to you is, um, when electronic by itself worked for me was when I was in corporate and I was in front of a big monitor 
anytime I needed to make decisions about my time. So I could Mm -hmm. see all the information I needed to see. Now that my life is so fluid and oftentimes it's, Hey, can you whatever? And I'm like, hang on. I'm not near my computer. I don't want to have to like get everything woken back up all of that. And I need to be a lot more portable. That's why my paper planner is my command center. When I do my weekly planning, it's in my paper planner. And I actually, I designed a planner to go with my planning system. So I use my own planner. Um, but I will oh, tell boy. women if you know, if you're still at a at a large monitor and you, you're you're sitting there when you're making decisions about your time, and it's working for you, great. What you can't do is use this tiny little screen on your mobile device as what you reference to to make your yes and no decisions because it's too small and you can't see enough information. So, Mm. you know, I have people who book appointments with me and who send me meeting requests, you know, electronically. And so that automatically is going to fill on my Google calendar, but that's not where I'm plugging in, you know, my unavailable, busy, being busy time and making appointments for personal and all of that. So when I sit down to create my weekly plan in my paper planner, I'm pulling up real quick that Google calendar just to make sure, okay, were there any appointments I, that didn't get over here that should have? So I have, you know, a small, I have basically step one, those obligations in my Google calendar. My entire weekly plan though lives in a paper planner. And I'll tell people, like, I'm, I'm very honest about planners. Um, you know, I, my planner's not the only good one out there. What I will tell you, you can't, what makes a planner really, really bad and what I want you to avoid, um, do not use a daily planner. I did for years. I used the Franklin Covey daily. If I could get back probably the hundreds of hours of my life spent Monday, writing down my tasks for the day. Tuesday, rewriting the half of Monday. Wednesday, rewriting the half of Monday. And you just keep copying the same stuff, like page to page. Yeah. Um, and also, you can't see your whole week out of you. So you, yes. I really, I'm anti-daily planning. You've got to get a weekly planner where you see your whole week on one spread. With a weekly planner, it can't be one that's a blank rectangle for a day. Like, it's just like Monday, here's the box. It needs to have the hours going down on the left-hand side so that you're blocking your day with appointments and you can see all of that. Um, so, and I, I do encourage people to have one that has room for both appointments and then tasks per day. Like I had a task today to put a birthday card in the mail. I don't need to make an appointment with myself at 3.30 to walk, like just put the thing in the mailbox. So being able to represent both is is great. And so, you know, that's the foundational layout of what I have, but they're they're out there everywhere. You just need to make sure it's one that you can truly track the time and get that weekly view. Because um, I, I think planners are very personal, right? You have certain sizes yeah. and colors, but a planner should only do that. Notice I didn't say that your planner is going to have your life goals and your health tracking and your like, it's not a scrapbook. It's not a, you know, something you're going to come back. It's not your journal. It's not your novel. It's not your memoir. A planner should tell you what you're doing and when you're doing it. And that's it. There are other tools for those other things. Now I still put stickers in my planner. So, I mean, it's not a scrapbook, but I still want it to look nice. You know, I still want it to make me feel good. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm a, I love the stickers. It just it makes me feel a lot uh, like I, I'm, I love creativity and it's more of my creative yeah. side. So I'm like, OK, this looks pretty. So it's more attractive and so I'm going to want to look at it and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to introduce you to the erasable pens as well. So um, I was a math major, so I do everything in pencil. Plus, I hate scribbling out like on my nice plan. Me too. So I use the friction erasable pens. You can just get them on Amazon. It's F-R-I-X-I-O-N, but they're fine tip and they honestly like really do erase. So I color code my weekly plan. So like I have a color for work stuff, color for family stuff, but I can erase if something happens. So after I lay out my weekly plan and all my pretty colors and I get out my little stickers and I add a few, you know, inspirational things because that makes me feel good. But it makes my planner, like you said, I, I enjoy looking at it. It looks nice. Yeah. Yes. And if that's not your jam, you don't have to do that. Oh, you know, it's, it's, our it's our jam for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So we ask everyone, um, because we always tell everyone to stay weird and stay wild warriors. We call our listeners warriors. So, um, what makes you weird and or wild? They can be different. They can be the same. It's up to you. This one I've been sitting on for a while. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to share a funny and it'll just because of what I was talking about earlier of the whole, you know, we get on that anxiety wagon and we project of where we're going to be. Like, I'm going to be homeless 15 years from now. I, I was a huge Saturday night live fan back in the day. And I always loved that I'm living in a van down by the river with motivational coach. Yes. <laughs> well, I will let you all know that I actually did spend a summer of my life living in a van by a river. <laughs> yes. That sounds incredible. That's amazing. Oh my God. I love you even more. I didn't even think that was possible. Well, I, I did it. So, I mean, hey, you can go the other way. You can be in a van down by the river and then still end up in a successful oh my. place in life. But I bet it was, like, amazing. It was kind of cool. I mean, I was young. I couldn't yeah. do it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. That was that was pre-TikTok like, and pre-Instagram where you would have been even cooler. I grew up social life. media because I can very yeah. happily close the chapter in a lot of uh, stages <laughs> of, of life. Yes. I yes. love that. That's great. We do ask all of our guests as well, what does being a warrior mean to you? Being a warrior to me is in every moment of every day recognizing I am doing the best that I can with the information I have today. Because I spent so much of my life wasted looking back and saying, oh, I should have done that differently. Oh, I should have, you know, oh, I want that first year of motherhood back because I would have made different choices. Well, of course I would have made different choices because I've learned <laughs> I'm not the yeah. same person I was then. And so for me, it's shifting that paradigm of instead of what ifing and shoulding and, and having those regrets of setting, of waking up every morning with a goal of, I'm gonna do the best that I can today with the information that I have today. And I'm going to be good with that. And I'm not going to beat myself up two years later, looking back. Thank you so much for that. And I feel like I'm getting like, I think the universe is like trying to beat that over my head hmm. because I feel like I've been told that in multiple different ways this past like five days. So yeah. thank you for yeah, good that reminder as well. All right, Megan, 
tell everybody where can they find you? So I'm not in a van down by the river, so you won't find me there. Uh, I am very easy to find on Instagram, Facebook, just Megan Sumrall. If you search for that, you will find me there. Um, I've got two resources if you want to consume more information. So my podcast is a great place to go. It's the Work Life Harmony podcast. And I keep my episodes at like, if it's by myself, I really, all the newer ones, 10 minutes, guys. I'm a time management coach. We're going to teach you one quick thing, get in and get out. Uh, and then if you want to see those, that weekly planning in action, along with some other, um, I, I have a whole video series on that entire ditch, the overwhelm that we just went through. Um, you can download my app. So it's available on Google oh. play and the app store. And it's just called the pink bee. And it's all one word with no space. If you put the spaces, it's, it can be hard to find. Um, it is, it's a dollar 99, but it's not a like recurring thing. It's just a one-time fee for the app to keep it hosted, but there's all that training in there and you can watch me. I actually pull out the whiteboard and we, we do a weekly planning session in there. So you can kind of see what I just walked through. Cause it's, it's a lot easier. We can see it in person, but that that's a great place. You can have a little time management coaching your pocket there with the app. That's amazing. That's amazing. I wow. love that. We're downloading that right now. I know. <laughs> oh um, are you on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that where we can follow you? Instagram, I spend a lot of time there um, at Megan Sumrall and then on Facebook as well. And then I've got a, a great free event coming up uh, where you guys were in deep dive into all the things, my entire time management framework. It's called the Top Framework. Uh, the boot camp is totally free. It kicks off the Monday of April 11th. Yes, record are available. If you can't join me live, it's only 30 minutes a day for the five days. And you can go grab a spot there at thetopbootcamp.com. Super easy to get signed up. And all the training is live on Facebook uh, and the replays are there, but then there's also options to get the replays, you know, packaged up outside of there if Facebook is not your place to be. Wow. Perfect. So many amazing things yes. for our listeners to follow up with this and myself and Sarah, because yes. I know we're down with this for sure. For sure. Um, we will, for those of you listening, we will um, link all of those in the show notes. So you don't need to go search for them right now. Yes. Megan, thank you so, so much for giving us your tips, sharing with us your what you've learned and accumulated over the years. Um, we're very thankful for your time. Thank you, thank guys. You. I love everything you're doing. So thank you. Oh, thank you. To all of our listeners, have a great rest of your week. Stay wild and weird. We love you guys. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. All episodes are mixed, mastered, and produced by me, Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this one, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Or share us with a friend, relative, coworker, hairstylist, butcher, baker, candlestick maker... Sharing us not only helps keep the mics on, but it furthers our mission in removing the stigma. If you have a mental health journey you'd like to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, hold on, warrior. We're gonna make it. Warrior.